Hey guys, welcome to another episode, episode two of All Queued Up, uh, Mission Starts unofficial Netflix podcast. Um, of course, I am your host, Greg Dietz, and I have with me my co-host, Josh Fisher. What's up? Uh, today we are going to be talking about two animated shows on Net- on Netflix, um, Voltron Legendary Defender, season four just came out, which consists of six episodes, and uh, we'll be talking about the entire series. Also kind of uh, discussing the differences between the original and the new. No comparisons, though. Just talking about it, the differences, because I don't like that um, normally. I'll get to that when we talk about it. The second show we're going to be talking about is the Magic School Bus Rides Again, the revamped 13-episode series uh, from, God, I want to say the early 90s, maybe mid-90s. I think it was mid to late 90s. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll pull it up on, on uh, Wikipedia to get the information when we go talk about it. But we're going to start with Voltron. Um, so Voltron, Legendary Defender, if you don't know, is a continuing uh, uh, series on Netflix that is animated by uh, DreamWorks Animation and World Events Publication, or uh, sorry, Productions. And it's anim- animated by Studio Meyer. Um, to give a little bit of background as to what they've done in the past... Uh, they've done The Legend of Korra, um, some Lego stuff. Oh, they even did Last Airbender, so there's that. Um, and geez, now that I know that, it shows, like, 100%. But um, uh, the series is, uh, to an extent, a reimagining of what the original show was. Uh, the idea is that, that five um, Earthlings get kind of thrust into this intergalactic war um, and they have to learn how to use these uh, giant lion-based robots, or mechs, I should say, and they can form together to form Voltron, which is this massive humanoid-looking mech that just wrecks everything. Um, now, as I stated before, it's based off of the... Is it 70s, Josh? Uh, it was very late 80s, or very early 80s, I'm sorry. The original series from Japan was called Beast King Go Lion. Oh, wow. And Toei uh, Animation did the animation of the series. And when they wanted to bring it to America, they wanted, they had plans to do three robots, uh, three robot series, and each of them would be a Voltron. And they did Diruger XV, which was the vehicle Voltron, which was Voltron 1. Then they had Voltron 2, which was a gladiator Voltron, uh, which was just three humanoid robots that formed one giant uh, six-armed um, humanoid mech, uh, which never aired because they never finished it because of a few reasons. I'll just touch on that right fast and we'll go. And then... Voltron 3, they that was the Lion Force Voltron, which was the most popular in America. They wanted a certain animation from a series because, you know, back then they just went to the animation departments. They said, hey, send us this and we'll redub it and make our own, um, you know, our own stories and everything. And they said, okay, which ones did you want? And they said, Die Rugger, the Gladiator one, and um, the Lion one. So there was the one I wanted had like this big orange and yellow lion crest on the chest, and then they sent them the Beast King Go Lion instead, which worked out because they said, "Hey, this one looks really cool." Uh, the stories, you know, and back then a lot, it was a lot more violent than it was uh, in the, you know, there were like there was cannibalism and slavery and. Wow. Yeah, it's really. I highly recommend it if it's on Crunchyroll too. I know but, that like uh, a lot of a lot of animes. Uh, for example, Dragon Ball Z was one of the big ones that I watched as a kid, and I remember the first time I ever discovered that the original um, Japanese voices were a lot harsher was when I bought um, the uh, Battle with Broly. Um, I don't remember the name of that one, but. We had watched it in English, and uh, in the very opening scene, uh, um, Goku's throwing Kamehameha's into the ocean, and um, Master Roshi's just like, I would stop if I were you, you're going to cause tidal waves. And Goku's just like, ah, it's fun, no big deal. Huh. And then in, in the Japanese version, 
it's the same situation. Roshi's like, stop it, you idiot. And uh, Goku's just like, shut up, old man. I know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> it was like, it was drastically different. We, yeah. And I remember experiencing that. And, and I've gone through time, you know, gone back and said, and, and looked at like, how Japanese culture is so different when it comes to their media versus ours and how we perceive animation to be for kids where I would love to watch the original uh, Japanese versions of what we consider Voltron just to see that difference. Cause that sounds amazing. There, It's a vast difference. You know, when the uh, Americanized version, um, some things were reanimated and a lot of animated sequences were cut in and reused a lot. Uh, like they used robots instead of actual people. Uh, a lot of the violence was edited out and toned down. But the premise was, and the premise was a little bit different too. In the in the original Japanese version, Voltron was a sentient being who became so arrogant that he challenged a goddess, and she's like, "No!" And she cursed him and split him up into five mechanized robots. Okay, um, all right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And in the Americanized version, it's like, okay, he was a powerful weapon who was hit with a magic spell by uh, Hagar, the witch, and separated him into the five lines, and he was hidden. And there are, the what I really enjoy about the new series, it's its own thing, and it pays homage to both the American version of the, of the original uh, Lion Force Voltron and Beast King Go Line, it takes a little bit from both. That, like yeah. I'll, 80s. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I was going to say that that was actually something that I thought was interesting was, from what I remember, because I didn't watch it a lot as an adult, I seen a few episodes when I was a kid. As a matter of fact, I was probably like 24 years old, so this was probably about 10 years ago. Um, I was talking to a bunch of friends about cartoons we watched as kids, and I remember going, there was an anime that I watched when I was real little, and it, everyone had a lion robot, and it was like Power Rangers, but it wasn't Power Rangers, it was all animated. And I, I just never remembered Voltron until like six or seven years down the line when, you know, geek culture became such a huge thing in this country. Mm -hmm. that, um, that that's when I like, it, it sunk into our just collective consciousness. So uh, it, it's super fascinating to see this show come back. And I know that the way that this story is told is it's very much for an American audience. I don't think that this version of Voltron would do super well in Japan. Um, I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, but uh, the reason I say that is because it still feels like they are catering to a much younger audience. Um, they are definitely aiming it towards kids, but still giving it uh, the nostalgic nod for the people that grew up on it. And that's, that is, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think, uh, one thing that I'm really happy to have seen is that a lot of people aren't doing that classic, well, it's not like the original, so harumph. Uh, I'm seeing a lot more people just kind of like, this is awesome. This is so totally fun. And that's, that's great. Cause we're going to get a lot of seasons. Something I want to ask you about, about the show that I think is really fascinating. And we will, in a moment, guys, we will get to the actual show, <laughs> <laughs> but the way that... Netflix has been releasing these episodes is very bizarre. So the show's only been out for about two years now, but there's four seasons because they release them. They release them every six months. And it seems like each season is getting less and less episodes. Um, but yeah. each, each episode, like here's why I like that. They're, they're, yeah. They, they said there was a reason for it, but yeah, go ahead. And then, I, I don't know the reason, so if you know the reason, that's awesome. But from what I from my what I was thinking was that each episode is so dense with information and content that watching the six episodes in season four, I never felt like an episode was wasted or that an episode was just filler. Even the episode with uh, the whole them putting on a show, like the Voltron show, which was the name of the episode, um, I still felt that that the entire episode had merit and weight to it that was important to the overall story. Yeah, that was that was I think the weakest of the season and the only episode out of all four seasons that I really truly did not like a lot. But there were good thematic elements to it that really helped propel and move what they've done in this arc. But yeah, the reason 
when they originally released the series, it was, um, I'm wanting to say in June of last year, 2016. Yeah. And they dropped 13 episodes, 12 yeah. or 13 episodes in the first it thirteen. It was 13 season one, eight season two, seven season three, and now six in season four. Okay. And then it was January of this year when season two dropped. The reason why yes. they have gone to a smaller episode uh, release is so they can focus on getting content out on a more regular basis about every three months put out six to seven episodes versus waiting nine ten months for 12 new episodes and that's, that's why they wanted to do that yeah and that's such fresh like, I love... mind and keeps it popular and it really helps move these things off the shelf yeah yeah i was gonna say merchandise merchandise is huge for something like this especially for kids where like <laughs> Or adult collectors like me. Or adult collectors. <laughs> um, well, I also think that like, what's what's super fascinating to me about about like you, you said like every three months having six episodes, is um, it, it that is almost the exact same way that like network stations kind of have cartoons. You know, they have one episode every Saturday, and. If, you know, they have six episodes, that's two and a half months, and then maybe there's like a two-week break, and then there's another, you know, set of episodes. So kids don't really ever notice that there's a break in between the animation cycles. Where with this, you could totally, I mean, it's right in your face, because it's all, like, it's dropped in one brick. And um, so it's really fascinating to see how that dynamic works. But let's get into the show a little bit, the actual characters and, and arc and stuff. Um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy shows and, and art that is a continuous storyline. Um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of like monster of the week type shows. Uh, I, I just, I never can really get into them. And I think the reason I can't get into them is because I don't have something to look forward to next week. The what's the monster next week doesn't really excite me. So having this narrative that, that stretches is so much fun. Uh, and so by like, like going into this, I was really worried that it was going to be like classic Voltron where there was that one monster they fought like, like, or like Power Rangers or Kamen Rider, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's not like that at all. It's, uh, you know, they have the Golra, they have to fight. They have the main bad guy of the Golra, which I can't think of his name. Uh, Zarkon. Zarkon. Thank you. And, uh, and kind of his son a little bit. Lotor. Uh, I love Lotor. <laughs> Lotor, I think, like, first off, that that, fi- final, that final episode with what he did, like, that's going to have some serious ramifications within that within the galaxy. I agree. I, um, agree. I really want to see Lo- Lotor and his people, like, team up with, uh, with, well, the good guys of the story, just because... To me, when you tell the story, you need to have that 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 risky dynamic that everyone takes, um, where tension. Yes, the tension. Oh my god! So, the, and that's what makes this show so so palatable is that the characters are realistic, like and and realistic to an extent that, like, yes, a lot of the science stuff they talk about isn't, but the characters are. Um, uh, I, I like. The fat guy isn't just the bumbling fat guy. He actually has character and feelings and and there's something about him that's really cool. Like he's caring and, and he like he wants to be a cook. Like adding all that shit to the character is so cool. Yes, he might be kind of written as a side character to an extent, to like Shiro or Keith, but um I think I think he's just as important in terms of story. Uh like during that episode I was talking about the Voltron show when they totally kind of made fun of that idea of him being the fat bumbling farting guy. Uh he was still he wasn't he wasn't cool with it. No. I was, like, I was just like, that's really neat. Like they didn't just make him okay with it or passive. They were like, no, he's gotta have some some kind of like uh character to this. Uh Pidge being one of the more interesting characters in my book. because uh, Pidge Pidge is a girl, um, but pretended to. 
<laughs> this is a spoilery podcast. Uh, you know, I know. Uh, but had to pretend to be a boy Mulan style to get to the position that she's in. And it wasn't until like she didn't have that position and she was just part of this team that was thrust upon them. She was just like, yeah, I'm a girl. Uh, and everyone was like, well, except for, uh, what's the, what's the guy's name? The one that's like the, um, Lance, Lance. Thank you. Yeah. Lance was the only one that wasn't necessarily hundred percent cool with it, but he got over it real quick. Uh, yeah, he was more in denial than anything. He was like, what? How can this be? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, but that's, I think that's also what's fascinating is there's growth amongst the characters too. Well, see, uh, the original Pidge was not a female. Right, right. And had an annoying voice. But um, th- this this Pidge, she's a really strong character, and I like the fact that, you know, her name's just not really Pidge. That's a nickname that her brother gave her. And yeah. she hated it, but adapted it adapted it and owned it once he had left on his expedition and she's like all right you know what i am pitch and uh i think she's a really strong and really interesting character yeah i yeah she, she by far like that's what was so i i another thing i really like about the show and i should mention this is that the show does give stakes in regards to things will change. Things can change. Uh, For example, at the end of, I think, yeah, the end of season one? Yeah, so it was at the end of season one, they all got separated. Mm -hmm. And, respectively, the story between, our story with Lance and Hunk in the mermaid area, that's my weakest episode by far. Uh, That episode was so boring to me. Um, but, it's uh, probably the weakest of season one, I think, or season that, two. Yeah, I was like, that was a season two. Uh, but but Shira almost died, like straight up, almost died in season in season the beginning of season two. Uh, and, and then he got, and then by by the end of season two, he got separated from the entire group, and he didn't he didn't come back until the end of season three. Three. Uh, yeah. The so tail like, end of season three. Yeah, um, and so like the 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 pilots of each lion has changed in some way. Um, I mean, there's like Hunk and Pidge and Lance have all stayed with their lions, but no, Lance changed. Oh, he did change. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he did change. Damn it. So yeah, See, it's just the Hunk original. And the the the. I'm sorry. The original lineup was Shiro piloted the black lion, Lance the blue lion, Keith the red, um the pitch the green and honk the yellow and because the lions kind of resonated with their temperament and their characteristics um and the original show if you go back and see keith wore the red outfit but he piloted the black lion and lance wore the blue outfit but piloted the red and it was allura uh the original character was shiro in go lion but he was Sven in the United States. And he actually got killed early in the season of the original. Uh, like seven or eight episodes in, he got killed. Wow. Uh, and that's why Allura took over. But he had the black outfit, but piloted the blue line, and then Allura took over. So last season, in the season three, when, they, when Shiro was gone, they're like, we can't form Voltron. We need somebody to pilot the Black Lion. And, you know, when Shiro thought he was dying early in season two, he's like, Keith, one day there's going to have to be somebody to take my place and I want it to be you. You can do it. And he actually used the Black Lion to help Shiro. Well, when Shiro was gone, the Black Lion's like, I accept you. You are now my paladin. And then everybody shifted because the Blue Lion would, Lance had to take over the Red Lion. The Blue Lion's like, nope, well, you're gone. And it was a nice throwback to the actual 84 Voltron team piloting the exact same lines. But it didn't stay that way, as we found out in Season 4. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, what I think, what I really like about the, the Paladins or the characters changing lines in the way that they are, or, like, there's six characters now that can pilot lions, and, but there's only five lions. And what, what's so 
fascinating to me is that it's almost as if the writers were like, if we made an R-rated Voltron, characters would have died. 100%. Sure, probably would have been dead at this point. Uh, but instead, what they did was they had the character do something else and and kind of adapt that to their character to where they were changed a little bit. Uh, Keith is a, is a prime example of like, he didn't die, but he's not there. And that has a resonating factor on the entire team. Um, mm. And the dynamic and growth of the team in regards to that is so, is so fantastic. Like, I totally get the idea of like killing off characters might be a little too much for a children's audience, but by having the characters do this, like leave and come back and not quite be dead, but also dealing with certain like loss in a certain way, um, I think is really good good for both the adults watching the show and the kids. Um, yeah, because there's always the hope that, oh, well, this character is gone now. Hopefully they'll come back. And of yeah. course, you know, if a kid is really into the character, they're going to go just absolute ape shit when the character comes back and be thrilled. Yeah, um, I, I don't... What I don't want the writers to do is a Marvel situation where death death is meaningless. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's 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 so they're they're walking that line right now where that is the case because certain characters that like even the bad guy uh, Zarkon like he's not dead. Spoiler alert. Um, I like how we say spoiler alert after giving a spoiler. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but he yeah he's because he's not dead. And then none of the other paladins are dead. It's kind of like, okay, how how big are the stakes? Like like can we can we get an example of how actually big they are? Um, the only character that I've actually seen full on die was that one blind character with um, Lotor that had the cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marty, I think her name was. Yeah, I don't remember, but. Uh, she like she's the only character I've seen full on die, but she wasn't also a main character. Yeah. So it's it's. Well, there's know. been other Galra officers that have been converted into row beasts uh, who ended up dying. But yeah, as for like major character, well, this is more of a minor character death. There's been no major character deaths, but I think it's actually going to happen. Yeah, I, I I do too. I think season five and or six is going to have something major, but we'll see. And I'm really excited to to continue watching this show because it's 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 grabbed me. I I'm always skeptical when I watch a show. I have a rule, which is if I watch a new show, I give it three episodes before I kind of like decide whether I'm going to continue watching it or not. And I remember when I watched season one of the show, I was like the first episode got me. So kudos to them. Like it's. My recommendation for it is absolutely check it out, 100%. Um, if you're into um, anime or Americanized anime, I should say, uh, which is what this is. This is basically in the same vein as Last Airbender anime. Like, not quite anime, but enough. Um, and uh, really fun, interesting characters. I'd say, I'd say one of my favorite characters, aside from Pidge, is Koran. Koran. Uh, Koran, yeah, sorry, Koran, uh, because he, A, he's voiced by Reese Darby, who I think I is... I love great. Reese Darby. <laughs> but love also, Reese. also, he is a genuinely fun and interesting character. You know, he his entire race, like, the entire, um... Uh, Altaians. Altaians, thank you. Almost said the princess's name. The entire Altaian race is gone, and it's just, it's just, uh, Koran and, uh, Koran and, uh, uh the princess... Oh, Laura, <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm terrible with names. You'll learn this in the okay. podcast. I'm awful with names. We're next episode. We're going to be talking about Stranger Things, and I guarantee you, all the characters' names are going to be out of my head by the time we record this. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got two seasons of that to watch because I got to watch the first season by the time the second season comes out, so I can get ready for that. But that'll be fun, know, though. That show's super. I would. Honestly, yeah, I've been I'd, saving it for that purpose. I like. Yeah, to I, would, I, I would. I would watch it with uh, with your daughter just to see what she thinks because it's it's very uh, Goonies esque. Oh, excellent. so. Uh, but anyway, um, but my recommendation for Voltron is it's. Uh, so we got 
math is not my strong suit. It's it's uh, it's a bunch of episodes. It's four seasons, but it doesn't take that long because each episode's about uh, 20, 22 minutes long. I think we're up to 33 episodes now. Yeah, I'm doing math right now. 34. 34. I know they're actually commissioned to do 77 episodes. So Jeez, if they've got awesome. 34, they've got another, what, 43 episodes to go? So, yeah, yeah. So that's another, if they keep doing seasons in six and seven episode arcs and churning them out every four to five months or shorter, then, you know, this time next year we'll be on like season 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, just to, uh, I know we didn't really actually a brief breakdown of season one, two, and three, and then talk a little bit more about season four. Is like, you know, season one, these, these, uh, they were members of the academy, the uh, Alliance Earth Forces Academy. And um, Keith was a washout, kind of a lone wolf kind of thing. Uh, Shiro was on this expedition that had gone missing with Pidge's brother and father, and they were all feared dead. And Pidge is like, no, absolutely not. And Lance and Hunk and Pidge were the cadets. Uh, you know, Lance is like, I'm the top dog around here now that Keith's gone. I really like their dynamic um, of each character, but big intergalactic up, you know, upheaval. They're suddenly thrust into it. They become the Paladins. And they find out Zarkon, you know, uh, the leader of the Galra Empire, used to be friends with um, the king of the Altaians, King Alfor, Allura's father, who wiped out the Altaian race. And she and Koran have woken up after a 10,000-year suspended animation hypersleep kind of thing. And the lines are missing. And, you know, they bring this team together and train them to be the pilot. And then finally, at the end of season one, they're ready. And they have the showdown with Zarkon. And they take Zarkon out. Or no, that was season two, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, they didn't take him yeah, out until season, season two. They, yeah. they had the battle, but then at the end, uh, you know, their first major victory, they, they were trying to get back to the castle and they're separated. And that's when they go into season two. They're, they become separated after becoming a team, and they're trying to uh, find their way back to each other. They do, and they start, you know, um, really trying to take it to the Galar Empire, you know, step it up. And that's when they face Zarkon at the end of season two, and they take him out. And at the end of season two is one of my very favorite things. Um, Allura actually faces down or sees Hagar and when her hood comes down when they're having their showdown she sees her and she's like she's Altaian what? she's Altaian you know and then every you know at the end of the battle the black line uh, Shiro he's facing down Zarkon Zarkon's got the original black line Bayard you find out he used to be the pilot of the original Black Lion, or, or the original pilot of the Black Lion, I'm sorry. And he had control over it, and Shiro didn't have full control until finally at the end of season two. And then they face off. Shiro takes down Zarkon, and then boom, Shiro's disappeared. Now we segue, and at the end of that, you know, Hagar's putting Zarkon in this like suspended animation. And she steps out, and the door's closed behind her. And she just says to the guards, bring me Prince Lotor. And I was like, oh, squealing, because I love Lotor. Love Lotor. And he shows up in season three. He's like, all right, my dad's, you know, gravely wounded. I'm in charge now. And seems to come across as a guy who uh, is like, okay, I'm your leader. I lead by example. I'll be down in the trenches with you right along the front lines. I wouldn't do anything um, 
I wouldn't ask any of you to do something that I wouldn't do for myself, or so it seems. And, you know, a lot of people are rallying behind him. Hagar, in the meanwhile, she's trying to nurse his Archon back to health. Shiro's missing. They're struggling to find the new pilot uh, for, you know, a pilot for the Black Line. Finally, as we mentioned earlier, Keith takes over the lines. They shift their alliance. Keith finds out he's half Galra and yeah. starts working with the organization, the Blades of Memora, and that led to some nice tension. I think that was late in season two. That was, um, yeah, that was some of my favorite, like, character development and whatnot. Just because. Yeah, because, uh, you know, Allura, she's like, the Galra wiped out my people, and now here's this person she's grown extremely close to and views as a very, very, very valuable friend and comrade. Poss- possibly. And now she's yeah. like, you're half of everything I hate. Yeah. Who are you? How can I trust you? And, you know, he's struggling to find answers. They're struggling. And even the others were like, wait, what? You're half of one of them? Oh, my God. And everybody was really standoffish for a while towards him, which really kind of helped, you know, his whole, you know, I'm not a leader. I've always been a loner kind of guy. And now he's like, but I'm still me. And they realized, you know, he is still him, and they need each other. He needed them as much as they needed him. Uh, but I really love how he's like got this dagger, an artifact of the Blades of Memoria, working with that uh, organization. And he's trying to find out more about his past, more about who he is. In season three, Shiro, you know, finally shows up. Um, and the Black Line won't respect him anymore. So he's like, okay, I'm a field general now. Laura's the pilot, and I'll be, you know, field general. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool, and that leads us up to season four. And there were some things in season four that I really loved. There were a few things that I did not love. Um, like, like what? Because I, I, the stuff that I really enjoyed was Keith's arc with, like, trying to be part of the Blades of Memora and still the pilot of the Black Lion. Yeah, uh, but like messing that up big time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's got this obsession with Lotor. He thinks Lotor is the ultimate. We stop Lotor. We stop the Galra. End of story. And he's obsessed. It is like I cannot stop. This is everything. It's more important than anything. But yet they're like, no, we need to build this coalition. We're freeing these systems. All these oppressed people. Yeah, and we need to win them over to our cause and not just show that we're some oppressive regime like they've been under. He's like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, I can do this and do this, and he totally can't. Right. And when Shiro comes back, uh, well, well, Shiro's back, but when Keith's not there and they need somebody, the black line is like, okay, Shiro, hop in. And that's when Keith's like, all right, I'm not really part of the team anymore. We're just going to keep that secret. He's off doing his own thing in this massive spy network. And, uh, you know, Shiro's back piloting the Black Lion. What I really love, though, is the episode reunion, episode two, when Pidge is, you know, over the past four seasons, she has been trying to track down her brother Matt. Right, right. She's like, I know he's still alive. I know my father is still alive. I'm going to find him. And and what you know, she's used every resource she's had available to try to find him. And when she does come across that one uh, friend of her brother's, she's like, here's his signal code. This is how you can locate him. And she tracks him down on that planet, that one little planet, and it just turns out to be a mass graveyard. And she freaks out. And when she's running up to the marker that's supposed to be his marker, just the overwhelming overwhelming feeling of failure and grief. And I was too late. I am so sorry. That whole emotion, the whole gamut of emotions she ran through there, I thought it was incredibly well handled and incredibly well done. There are some super artistic shots where Pidge is kneeling in front of the grave and they do this like wide shot of the storm that's happening kind of in the background mm-hmm. and it's just a silhouette of her in front of the grave on top of a hill and I'm just like that's 
That's some good filmmaking. <laughs> and that was my favorite moment from the entire season. One of. One of. And then her brother turns out to be alive. Yeah. And I was not happy with that. Because <laughs> it ruined a beautiful moment. Yes, she's got her brother back. And now he's an ally of the team. And he is just as smart as she is. And now double brain power, they can really help figure out some situations. And it's kind of given them a bit of an advantage. But I think the story would have been so much better served had they let him really be dead. I think, I honestly feel like it would, here's what I would have liked to have seen. Like, she comes to terms with the fact that that he's dead. And then in the next episode, she's kind of like, she's, she's sitting there, she's still grieving, but she sees some information. She sees that like code basically on the gravestone. Mm-hmm. And then she heads to the location and it turns out Matt is still dead, but she finds his base with all of his equipment. And that so, would have been cool. Yeah. Um, Cause you could have still had the part where like she, like that scene where her hunk and, and Matt are basically just looking at all the information and figuring out where all the ships are and, what they're doing and the the transmission code and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you could have still had all of that happen and just be her and hunk and yeah. using his information and in tech. I think it really lessened the impact and weight of a beautiful scene. That's, that's my that's, only gripe. Right. That's kind of what I was getting at with like, how, how strong are the stakes at this point? Cause none of the characters have died. So, um, I would like to see the stakes raised a little bit more in season five, but um, I still think the show does an excellent job with that, with that character development, regardless mm-hmm. of having nobody die. Mm-hmm. But I, as I said, I think it's coming and I think it's going to be a major thing. And I think that was probably put in as a placeholder just to prepare people for the possibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so uh, like I said earlier, I, we got we got to move on to the next show. Yeah, that's um, what I was getting ready to say. I know you want to wrap uh, this thing up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I personally highly recommend it. It's 34 episodes of fantastic animation, fantastic acting, and fantastic storytelling. Um, if you're a fan of the original or haven't watched it at all, but or, or do like anime slash cartoon shows, 100% check it out. It's definitely worth your time. Um, Josh, would you would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> oh, you probably you, could have gathered uh, that by now. I mean, I'm, I've been a Voltron <laughs> fanboy since I was eight years old. That's how old I was when it debuted in the United States. Um, so, quit doing math, people. Um, <laughs> uh, I was going to say, if I, go, if I go, do you recommend it and you just hold up the Voltron toy? <laughs> do I recommend it? <laughs> I mean, that was my Christmas present from my wife. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I absolutely 100% recommend it. And don't compare the new to the old. It was like, I hate that attitude of, but this. No, it's not the same. It's not supposed to be the same. No, it's not. Yeah, I, I, actually, I don't want it to be the same. I like that it's different, but I like yeah. how it pays homage to the source material yet is its own thing and it's exciting and is not like monster of the week. I absolutely recommend it for anyone who's a fan of big robots, anyone who is a fan of like interstellar galactic wars, uh, anybody who is a fan of the original, definitely check it out. But overall, it's just really solid, good storytelling. Yeah. I agree. Um, okay. So, so Voltron gets a big thumbs up from both Josh and I. Uh, the next show we are going to talk about, as I mentioned at the top of the show, The Magic School Bus Rides Again. This is not a remake, not a reimagining, but a full-on sequel to the 1994 show that was on PBS that ran for a few years? I don't remember. Anyway, regardless, the, sh- the original show was a, a science show that took the idea of, of magic to kind of exemplify how certain things work in science. Um, and uh, the way that the show would do that would be that Miss Frizzle 
who is the teacher of a, I think, third grade, fourth grade class, somewhere in there. Um, she would take them to uh, wherever she needed to show them the science or history. And um, it was one of the things that I really enjoyed when I was younger because I was a huge science fan. And it, it resonated with me to see how certain things worked on like a molecular level or seeing other kids kind of interact with it, even though it wasn't really that way. Um, I loved the books. I loved the cartoons. So when they announced that they were doing a new series, I was like, this could be really cool. However, at 34 years old, I don't think that it's even remotely made for me. However, the first episode totally was made for me. Hmm. Um, when, Lily Tomlin did Miss Frizzle back in the day. She makes um uh, she she was she was the teacher. She was Miss Frizzle. When the show starts now, Miss Frizzle kind of hands the keys over her to little sister, um, voiced by Kate McKinnon, who does a fantastic job. Um but we uh we as adults who maybe are watching this with kids or some of that effect who watch the original go hey, that's really cool. That's a nice homage to to me who enjoyed the original series. Um, kind of like a passing of the torch, so to speak. Um, that being said, the theme of the show and the way that it works is 100% no different than the original. Like, it is almost note for note. Arnold is still the kid that's kind of like, I don't know about this. Uh, they did add a new girl to the class. Um, She's like a robotics like uh genius. Mm. Uh but other than that, it is like note for note almost identical. Um uh I'm trying to think of something else to add to the like what the show does. Um because something that Miss Frizzle did back in the original show was let the kids ask questions and then she would do a thing that led to them asking more questions. Which is something that I do all the time. I ask way too many questions. Um, the new Miss Frizzle does the same thing. I do have a theory in my head that she's not human, that the Frizzles are not human as a, as a, as a species, that they actually took over the Earth years ago and they're teaching us science based on what they've learned by dissecting us. Um, that's just a running theory that I have in my head. Oh, that's, that's a little dark, but I like it. <laughs> I didn't need to hear that today. <laughs> I've heard theories that she's a time lord too. So I mean, yeah, I you know I would go with time lord, but like what she can do, time lords can't do. Exactly. Like, so uh, the time travel. The only the only thing she can do a time lord can do is time travel, but she can also shrink down to molecular level she can fly she can go in space like that was actually really funny there was an episode where they went to space and dealt with satellites and space junk but then like in the in the last episode they go to like the super low deep parts of the sea and all of a sudden the bus can't handle it and i'm like this seems odd that they can handle space but not deep sea hmm I think they just, of course <laughs> use that as to illustrate the actual real life dangers of being at that depth. So oh, like, it's, oh, wow, it's... the pressure's up to twenty six elephants now. I like how they measured in elephants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I that that was something that I I really appreciated about the show was that it still it still taught the importance of certain aspects of science while not giving too uh, poops. Um, overly informative. It wasn't totally, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. but it, like, it, it didn't care about continuity, is my point. Like, yeah. They were just like, they were like, whatever, whatever gets the point across, because it's a magic school bus. Mm -hmm. I just like overanalyzing things and adding things where there's not, so, uh, just watching the show, I'm like, how, how can it shrink down to the size of an atom? But can't go uphill in snow and calculate at the same time. This seems weird. <laughs> so. Yeah, and of course, you know, at the end of each episode, um, 
kids call in, calling the magic school bus, and they're asking questions about that particular episode. And they say, well, you know, we simplify it for the show. And, of course, yes. you know, that's what they're doing. Yeah, um, like when they when they went into the brain and showed synapses running across uh, um, brain noodles, as they called them, uh, there's no actual visible electricity. Uh, but that's what's happening. If for the show's sake, they showed it as, like, like giant bright pieces of light traveling along. It's like, well, no. And, and the, the other thing they kind of showed that I thought was really interesting was the synapse relay race. Mm-hmm. And they were showing the kids kind of moving at a certain pace, and it's like that pace happens at such a fast rate that you can't measure it in that fashion. So, mm-hmm. but for the sake of the show, and I really do like how they brought Lily Tomlin in. It was you're going to do the voices, the voiceover at the very end of each episode, kind of clarifying things. I loved that. That was easily like the part of the episode that I look forward to the most. Oh yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe it's cause nostalgia, but I also like the, the clarification stuff. <clears throat> That's cool. Yeah. See me, I had never, ever seen an episode of the magic school bus ever. I mean, when that show debuted, I'd already graduated high school. <laughs> you know, I was, I was going into my first year of college. Um, and I never saw it. Never did. I <laughs> I'd heard of it, but you know, I'd never seen an episode uh so when you mentioned it, i was like huh magic school bus that must be something because he watched it as a kid but i didn't have a problem watching that it's what we do sometimes we're going to watch things that we normally wouldn't be interested in so well, i sat I'm, down I'm, yeah i'm interested to get your view viewpoint on it because you have no uh, yeah i had no viewpoint whatsoever uh so i watched it and i was like all right this is a fun little show it's great. I think it would be great for kids, especially kids my daughter's age. She's 10. I watched uh, the first three episodes a couple of nights ago. And then last night, I was like, all right, I'm going to watch, you know, about five or six more episodes tonight. And I'll finish through the last three or four, whatever, in the morning, uh, which is what I did earlier today. And uh, I thought it was cool. You know, each kid, there's eight kids and the new teacher. And they've got this bus. And I like how they incorporated scenarios, how they worked in the things that the kids would be interested in just to learn these facts about things. I like how they focused on one particular thing per episode. I thought it was really cool and engaging in a way for a child to be fun. Not something that I would ever find myself wanting to watch at all. And after I watched about three episodes, I was getting ready to start episode four last night. Madison was here, and I said, hey, why don't you sit down and watch this with me? She's like, what? I was like, sit down. She's like, why are you watching that? I was like, because I'm watching it for the podcast. You know, it's like, sit down and watch it with me. This is, you know, something aimed right at you. And I didn't know that she had seen the original. Apparently, they watch it at her school. Yeah. Um, They even watched one episode. um, one of the first weeks of school, and it was the one where, uh, what was her name? Uh, I don't know. The girl loses her frog, Bella, and yeah. it just says, Bella! every time, and it's annoying. Oh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> when I was, when I was, uh, when I was your age, Madison, um, your age, a little bit older, a little bit younger, somewhere in there. There were two different, besides Magic School Bus, there were two other science-based shows that were on that were built for kids. There was Bill Nye the Science Guy. Bill Nye the Science Guy. Oh, yes. you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, I adored that show. Like, I, it was every day at, like, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It would come on PBS, and my, my brothers and I would just, Bill, 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 Bill. Like, it was, it was, it was <laughs> the thing. Uh, and the other one was a was a Saturday morning science show uh, called Beekman's World. Um, and uh, out of the three, I'd say that Bill probably resonated the most because it was that wacky humor. But Magic School Bus was definitely a close second. I know that my little brother loved Magic School Bus more. Uh, and I think the important thing when it comes to science or history with with children um or just younger people in general is 
to an extent to an extent that interactivity um and these shows would try to make science fun or make history fun and i think uh magic school bus does that really really well um i agree uh i think uh when you have the children in the show basically figuring out the problems alongside the the the, the kid watching that will have an effect um like i said like the new show and the old show are really not that different at all um there was uh the the episode with um i can't think of the kid's name but when he turns out to be allergic to pollen carlos carlos thank you yeah uh he um <laughs> uh i remember sitting there watching it as a 34 year old man going it's he's allergic. He's allergic to something on the rat. I don't know. That's if exactly or... what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> like kids, kids, he's he's kids. He's allergic. It's allergy. All right. Well, you'll figure it out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh look, we're stuck to a nose hair, shrinking down and going inside of his circulatory system and everything, getting into his immune system. Uh, I oh, thought that was cool. Um, but it, you know, it was. I think it was really well done. Um, I think for kids, it's a perfect little vehicle, uh, to get them more interested in science and how things work. Uh, my favorite two episodes out of that was the weather versus rock, the comic book episode, which was amazingly well done. Um, and, um, the one that followed right after that, what was that? Was that the Magnetite episode? That one was really cool, too. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I thought it was really well done. Uh, but Madison, you know, uh, the first, first... What was your first thought when you saw the my, intro? My you... first thought was when I first saw Miss Frizzle's sister, I thought that was still Miss Frizzle from the old show. And I was like, I don't like her with her hair down. <laughs> I didn't like it. She's like, I don't like Miss Frizzle now. I was like, you've not even watched it yet. Don't be an Arnold. Because I had already seen the first three episodes, and I was like, don't be an Arnold. I don't like change. (laughs) But uh, what did you think after you watched what little bit you did get to watch? Um, I like how there was more modern technology than the last show. Like, they were using tablets. Instead yeah. of just pulling up random pictures or whatever they did. According to my research, oh, you mean Google? Yes, Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the original show was out like before the internet was a thing, and yeah. so like, <laughs> just one of the kids is like, "I have an encyclopedia." Like, well, <laughs> all right. <laughs> what else? What else? Give us some more thoughts. It was better animated. See, and that's actually, before you continue, Madison, that's actually something that has been a hot contention online on Twitter and and Facebook about this show, is that a lot of the adults who watched the show as a kid don't like this animation at all. So, well, it's fascinating to me, Madison, but Madison, you make a very good point, something that I'll probably use in an argument down the road with is, as a child, the animation style of things isn't as important. And you actually liked the animation. Would you say that you like the animation of the old show too? Eh. Okay, well, there you go. All right, see, that's, okay, perfect example. Like, yeah, uh, things change, and some adults need to get a grip on that. So, no, I that's awesome, Madison. Thank you for that. But, but I will accept one thing. The animation. Well, <laughs> what do you think of the new younger Miss Frizzle? Uh, I like her how her necklace is changes in episodes, like how the old Miss Frizzle's like bottom half of her dress changed. Mm-hmm. Well, they they keep that trend up in this one yeah. too. I noticed the dress. Sad. I didn't notice the necklace. That's good eye on that. I was sad that Phoebe left to go to her old school. She was my favorite character. Yeah, so it's. I noticed. <laughs> I'm so... I have a cat. But overall, do you think that is a show that 
kids your age would enjoy and mind watching to learn things from. Yes. 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 Puff, do you agree? He's a cat. He's just like, just give me a lap to lay on. Yes, I agree. But that's 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 good because yes. you know it's not aimed at people my age or Greg's age. It's aimed at people your age because what grade are you in? Fifth. What grade did she say that the kids were in now? Fifth. So it's perfect for you. And one of the episodes that I watched last night after you went to bed, or maybe it was this morning, I can't remember, was uh, they had to uh, do, uh, what was her name? Uh, was it Jyoti? Yeah, the new girl. It was she the one that was doing the three-in-one gizmo, how it goes? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They ended up covering States of Matter, and that is exactly what you just started studying in science yes. class. That's a, that's a super fun episode. It was. It was. So maybe after a while you can watch it. No. No. <laughs> I have homework. Yeah, you need to go and start on that. Is there any other thoughts that you would like to add about the Magic School Bus Rides again before you go start on your homework? <laughs> perfect. Perfect. You're good? No. Would you, would you recommend it? Yes. Who would you recommend it for? Sleep. Who would you recommend the show for? I'd recommend the show for cats. Okay. So they could start getting an education. Cats, the cats don't need no education. <laughs> yes, they oh, do. Would you recommend, <laughs> be serious here. Would you, <laughs> you silly girl, would you recommend it for other kids your age and other kids around, uh, you yeah. know, a little younger, yes. a little older? Yes. So it's a good show for kids is overall, is what you're saying. Yes. Good deal. And cats. Okay, and cats. They need to learn. Okay. They yeah. can't have no education in this world. They need to start learning their science. Well, when they, they can worry about that when they can get jobs and pay rent. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. I'll slide over and start... you go start your homework. Thank you very much for your input. <laughs> it helps to have, you know, it helps to actually have somebody uh, your age for that show that's aimed for to talk about it. What are the other shows? Uh, shows for the next one, we're actually going to review a stand-up special that I actually watched last night. No, not Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean's not a stand-up special. That was a British skit show done by Rowan Atkinson back in the 90s, which was awesome. Um, but uh, we're also going to do Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we haven't watched yet, and you can watch it with mommy and daddy. How's that? What's the? Uh... I just said it. A stand-up special in Stranger Things. All right, go do your homework. <laughs> um, put that down. Uh, no. You <laughs> threatened me with a steak knife. Um, I'm a battered, battered father here. <laughs> Uh, one of the things I wanted to add about uh, one of my favorite things about the show is actually the theme song. Uh, I thought Lin Manuel Miranda did an amazing job with that theme song. Who did the theme song? Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda. He's um, he's responsible for the entire uh, Hamilton play and almost every oh. single song in Moana. Okay, cool. Um, he uh, he is doing a lot right now, like. The fact that he had time to do the theme song for the show is incredible. And I love that he made it his own, but still made it like sounding similar to the original show. So like, I really, really appreciate that about him, him doing that. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think, uh, I think it's an excellent show for kids to, to learn proper science, but also have fun. while watching. Oh, pardon me. Watching a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. I I really I really appreciate Madison's input. I'm gonna use that when I talk to somebody else about the show, because uh, a lot of what I saw on the internet when the show was announced was like pictures of the show saying, "Stop this type of animation! It's lazy! It looks like Family Guy!" And 
my, like we talked about this last week or last episode with with uh, Big Mouth. You know, mm-hmm. like it's crazy to me that people have such a strong distaste for certain styles of animation that yeah. they can't. Like, it's weird to me that some people would sit there and go, well, I'm not going to watch a show because it's based on an anime or it is an anime. It's like, what in your mind says, I don't want to enjoy a story because it's in this particular medium? I don't, I do not understand that, but. I don't either, man. Uh, I really don't. But, you know, uh, the people that are dismissing it purely for that standpoint, I think they're missing out. I mean, because you see. She likes it. It's who it's that's the target audience, and that's all that matters in the end. Yeah, I think I chose it primarily because of my nostalgia, but I also wanted to touch on the fact that you, you like the adults that are complaining about the animation style. You're not the audience, and you know you're not going to be the audience. So stop trying to pretend that you're that you deserve some better animation for a cartoon that's not even targeted to you. Like straight up. Um, I don't even think the animation is bad at all. I mean, do you know, I. it's it's uh, it's simple. They use they use uh, they use flash. It's simple, but it's kind of along the lines of more popular animation styles that are out there these days. Absolutely, uh, it's, what, it's what kids are used to, and it's what they like. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. So, um. Like I said, I, I highly recommend it for anybody who's trying to get their kid to watch some science-based show. Um, I know. I that... recommend some of the parents of those kids watch those science shows. <laughs> Maybe they should do a show on vaccinations. Um, not, not flat earthers or vaccin- anti-vaccinations <laughs> at all. It's just, it's just Frizzle going, looking at the, look the camera. Hey, hey, parents who think the earth is flat, you're stupid. <laughs> Just, Kim, it's not even doing a voice. Herd, just... immunity. herd immunity is a thing. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Um, so I think that's going to be... We both recommend it for your, for your kids, for adults who want to watch a show that's for kids that's fun and still engaging. Um, and for families. You know, it's a great parent-child show to watch together. It really yes. is. Yes. Um. That being said, guys, that is going to conclude our second episode of All Queued Up. Uh, next week, we are going to be uh, watching the, or for the, not next week. I keep doing that because I do a, I'm part of the other podcast on this show. Yeah. It's weekly. Yeah, this one's bi-weekly. <laughs> um, but for the next episode, we are going to be talking about Pat Oswalt's new stand-up special and season two of Stranger Things. Um, Josh here hasn't watched either season one or season two, which he will be soon. Um, I'm looking forward to it. So we'll probably touch on season one as well. Um, but guys, uh, that is going to do it. Josh, where can they follow you on the internet? Uh, they can follow me at nsabanur76 on twitch.tv and on Twitter. Um, but those are the Two places that I'm most often located and easily reached. Also, um, our Twitter accounts are above our heads or below. I don't remember where. Yeah, I think they're below on the overlay. Yeah, they're down here. Right, right. There you go. Um, But yeah, you can follow me at this Twitter account. That's where I make 99% of my posts. I don't use Facebook that often at all. And Instagram is a almost long gone thing. So. Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Um, I do stream every Saturday on Half Empty Energy Tank. Um, that's twitch.tv slash Half Empty Energy Tank. I will be doing more streams on my personal channel uh, just because well, I'm not going to be a part of Half Empty anymore for very long. But that's not for this podcast. Uh, point is, is I also do uh, video game reviews on the Mission Start Podcast. Uh, we'll have a link in the description down below. Um, my most recent one was on... Uh, destiny 2 i'll be writing one shortly for cuphead um alongside golf story and uh since i have a switch now (laughs) and uh um the uh the new south park game fractured butthole (laughs) giggity giggity um i just did a family guy joke i got my copy today (laughs) uh where i pre-ordered it also came with a digital copy of stick of truth so Oh, there you go. That's two and one. 
Um, but yeah, guys, again, that's going to do it all. Uh, one of the things that we did for this podcast is create a YouTube or a Twitter account. Uh, the Twitter account, which, uh, give me one second here. Yeah, I gave it a follow the other day. <laughs> yeah, I, I created it during the first, like, when we recorded the first podcast. And so I totally forgot to say anything. Oh, that's the, okay. It's uh, all queued up. It's at queued up podcast. Yep, at queued up podcast. So uh, if you follow them, uh, I'll be posting uh, every episode as it comes out for that. If Josh or I do something aside from streaming or uh, reviewing something, like if we do something special, I'll definitely try to promote it within that Twitter account as well. Um, but guys, again, that's going to do it. Thank you for listening. If you made it through the podcast, uh, kudos to you. Because uh, it's two, it's just two guys talking about shows. That's all it is. Um, but again, if you guys have shows you would like us to talk about, if you have, um, if you want to be a part of this podcast, uh, send either of us a message on Twitter. Um, uh, DM uh, the the uh, anybody at well Anthony or I at uh, Mission Star Podcast. Let us know, and we'll be in contact with you to see if we can get somebody else on the podcast. the The only recommend the only the only qualifications to be on the show are um, have like whatever shows we're talking about. You have to have watched it in its entirety, and uh, just be a good conversationalist. I think that's ultimately what that's about. So again, guys, thank you, and we will see you next time. Later, everybody. Take care.